Good, glorious morning, Recreate Church and Hillsville and everybody on the World Wide Web tuning into this. What a beautiful day, y'all. Such a nice day to have this after going through the, the winter outdoors and making all this work. And it's kind of exciting to see a little bit of springtime. Like yesterday morning, I was out and, uh, and doing some stuff with some kids. They're like, man, it's cold. I'm like, yeah, I know it's wintertime. They're like, it's not wintertime. It's springtime. I said, well, somebody forgot to tell the weather. But today it is spring. It is glorious and it is beautiful. And I'm so thankful. I love being outdoors. My allergies don't like to be outdoors, but I like to be outdoors. It's a lot of fun. Um, I used to watch all those wilderness survival shows that used to be on the Discovery Channel. You remember those? Are those still on? I haven't had the Discovery Channel in a long time. I used to watch those so much, loved them, watched all of them, even the ones that were kind of hokey. Um, and I, I wanted to be like Survivor Man, so I got myself a camera, and I would go out and make these wilderness survival videos. And I, I ain't saying that they were good. But they did happen, and they were fun, and almost none of them showed up on the internet. So um, I'm not saying they're not out there. I'm saying do yourself a favor and don't search for them. Um, lots of fun. I, I, I love the idea of, of, you know, going out and seeing if I can make it. I think I could tough it out, okay? I think I could. I, you might be looking at me right now, and I don't, I don't look so tough. I understand that. But have you seen my dad? He's super tough. And, you know, part of my genetic materials from him. My mom is also super tough. So I'm genetically predisposed to be tough and strong, even though I might look kind of like a bearded marshmallow here today. The potential is within me to be that guy. So I, I feel like I could probably make it. And I've also, you know, I know how to make a fire. And I ain't afraid to eat a bug if I have to. Been there, done that. I think I could make it. Something intrigues me about the idea of going outdoors and with a limited amount of resources and in all kinds of conditions, finding a way to make it work. That just sounds, sounds fun to me. And we've kind of got to do that lately, haven't we? We've kind of got to do um, Survivor Church uh, out here in the great outdoors. And in, in, it's not always so sunshiny as today. Sometimes we've got to do snow and rain and sleet and wind last week. I had to strap the, the speakers down to buckets of concrete so they didn't fly away. We've kind of got to do Survivor Man Church, and it's been a lot of fun, and God has blessed it. And even once we're able to get inside, we probably should still do some parking lot services because it reaches a lot of people. we got folks parked everywhere. Say, so, hey, hey, everybody over there. Some of you, I don't know if you can all see me. And uh, got folks way over there, food line. I see you. I see you. Family Dollar, I don't know who else we got parked around, but if you're around, we're happy to see you. We, we don't uh, take this opportunity for granted. So, But I hardly call this just surviving uh, because, man, this is a little better than survival. The fingerprints of God's blessing are all over this stuff. I got to be under a tent and play some music with some awesome people, and it's just, this is fun. This is good. But did you know Jesus had a wilderness survival experience? that there was a time in the Scriptures when Jesus went out in the wilderness and had, uh, had a 40-day experience in the wilderness. Now, I know if you've seen the old Renaissance paintings of Jesus, they make him look 
you know, very soft, almost effeminate, you know, kind of this guy with porcelain skin and, you know, perfect, you know, complexion and perfectly trimmed up beard and the, you know, the Perk Plus shampoo commercial hair carrying a lamb for some reason that's not really ever given, but he's always got a lamb or something. The truth is, Jesus was tough. He was tough mentally, physically, spiritually. You have to understand, this was a man who made his living with his hands. He was a carpenter for most of his life. He was only a preacher for something like three and a half years, and he was a carpenter from the time he could hold a hammer until he started preaching. So close to 30 years. He was a man who lived in the Middle East where it was tough, and he grew up with a bunch of brothers, so he probably had to be tough. And his adoptive father, Joseph, evidently passed away somewhere along the line, and he kind of had to be the man of the house from some early period. And we, we don't know all those details, but Jesus was tough. And he was tough enough to survive in the wilderness for 40 days, not just the wilderness, but the desert. And unlike Bear Grylls, with all due respect, who got to go to a hotel room after he's finished shooting, Jesus was sleeping somewhere outside in the desert. Forty days he was out there in the desert alone, or not quite alone. He wasn't quite alone, at least not for all that time. And I know we would say, well, okay, well, the God was with him, right? Yes, but I, if that's the only one who was with him, it would have been nice. But somebody else showed up at the end of that 40 days. The devil himself showed up to, to give Jesus a hard time after he's been in the wilderness, in the desert, for 40 days. Now, imagine trying to, to shoot some kind of like wilderness survival documentary, and you're already out there, and you've already got nothing to eat, and the devil shows up. Frankly, I don't want the devil to show up anywhere where I'm at. Uh, that sounds like it would turn from a documentary to a horror film real quick. I don't, I don't want him showing up. Um, at no point in Jesus' life did he face a greater battle until the crucifixion and the events leading up to and surrounding the crucifixion. Then it was worse. This was right before Jesus began his public ministry. This was right before he would travel around the countryside um, preaching and and ministering and healing. Right before this big event, he was in the wilderness and the devil came and tried to derail what God was about to do. This was Jesus's wilderness experience. Wilderness experience. It was a, it was a time of testing. He was in the desert with the devil, literally. Now you and I will have times that are periods of testing. We'll have our wilderness experiences, hopefully not as dramatic as living in the desert for 40 days, and then the, the sure enough devil comes and picks on you. But have you ever felt like the devil was picking on you? Wave at me. If you ever feel like the devil's picked on you, say, why, why are you picking on me? I'll tell you why he's picking on you, because you're one of God's favorites, and he picks on God's favorites. Unfortunately, that's the way the devil works. He, he likes to pick on us, especially when we're trying to do what's right. Now, even if you're not quite ready to say, well, I don't know, is, it, is the devil really picking on me or am I just having a bad day? Okay, even if you're just having a bad day, even if you're just experiencing the struggles of life, you still need something, right? You still need some help. You need some kind of 
you know, weapon to deal with what's in front of you, whether it's the devil picking on you or just life is hard. In, either way, I want something that when the devil or life takes a swing at me, I can take a swing back. And we're going to talk about a weapon today that you can wield against the devil, the very weapon that Jesus used against the devil. We're going to read the story. It's in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, first book of the New Testament. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels that, that tell the story of Jesus from kind of like four different camera angles. You put them all together and you get a nice composite story. This is a story about what happened just before Jesus began his public ministry He was out in the wilderness for a while, and we can learn quite a lot from this. We're only going to catch the first bit of it. So let's read here, Matthew 4, verses 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you're the Son of God command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Father in heaven, thank you that you care for our bodies and even more that you care for our souls. And may we learn that real life comes from your word. May you teach us to look to your word as nourishment for our souls and a weapon against the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we read this, that first line is, well, kind of unnerving. We read that Jesus was led by the Spirit up into the wilderness, and he was tempted by the devil. You can be led by the Spirit and tempted by the devil. You can be in God's will, and the devil still mess with you. Now, I've had, uh, you guys are probably better than me at this, but I've had those moments where I felt like I was being kind of picked on, you know, by the devil or just by life in general. And I've, I've said to God out loud, say, hey, God, it, why does it have to be this hard? It shouldn't be this hard. I'm trying to do the right thing here. I'm trying to follow your will. And it's, it's not easy. Why is it so hard? But the idea that being in God's will means everything is easy you won't find that in the Bible. It's just not there. Not in the New Testament. You want to read some in the Old Testament? You want to talk prosperity and peace and stuff? God gave the Israelites the opportunity that they just did everything he told them to do, that they would have an easy life. And guess what? They still didn't do it. So that's kind of proof to us that even if we had that option on the table, we still wouldn't manage it. We'd still mess that up. But anyway, God didn't promise an easy life. Here we have Jesus, who's the perfect, sinless son of God, who is in God's will, being led by the Spirit, and yet the devil is still trying to give him a hard time. If you read the Old Testament and the story of Job, you ever read Job? Oh, man, sometimes we can relate to Job and the struggles that he had. Job was picked on by the devil specifically because he was a righteous man, and uh, that's, a, that's an interesting story. Read that sometime. I would not suggest reading it when you're really down and discouraged because you don't want to wallow in that. Um, I made the mistake the first time I read through the book of Job, it was a tough time of my life, and I'm like, man, Lord, is this what happens? Um, so uh, we won't do that, but I encourage you to read it at some point and study that out. The, but the point is, the more you try to 
walk with God, the more the devil might try to trip you up, so you need to be ready. Notice how the devil chose a very vulnerable time to come to Jesus and to tempt him. Jesus had been in the wilderness for 40 days, and he had fasted for 40 days. Fasting meaning he had went without food, not just because he was in the wilderness and there was no food, but for spiritual reasons, he had chosen to forego food for a period of time. Forty days and forty nights without food. I've done some fasting, y'all. Nothing like that. And I'll just be honest, this whole pandemic thing, being stuck at home a little more than usual, uh, 40 minutes without a snack starts to look a little difficult. Okay, can I get a witness? Nobody, no, don't don't agree with me on that. That's terrible. That's terrible. Uh, i got to change that habit. But, um, yeah, it is physically possible to make it 40 days without food. This is not something that hasn't been done by others. It has been done um, by some by some Christian leaders, I've read some stories. I read a, read a book by a guy who had fasted for 40 days, and he talked about his experience. Um, but, but, of course, it takes a toll. It takes a toll when, you're, when you don't give nourishment to your body for that long. It starts to deteriorate, and obviously some fat starts to burn, but it doesn't take very long until muscle and proteins and other tissue starts to break down. Your cells start to break down if they're not nourished, and it leaves you weak, struggling. You just don't have energy. Forty days with no fuel for yourselves would have left Jesus really worn down. Even though he, he's Jesus, he's special, he's God, but he was in a human body, so he felt the effects that you and I would feel had we gone 40 days without food. That's right when the devil chose to come and pick on him. The devil likes to come at us when we're worn down. Have you noticed that? I've seen that in my life, for sure. Those, those times when we're, we're weak or worn out or tired, or sometimes it's after something really good has happened, and it's sort of that lull, that kind of low that comes after. I know for me in my life, it's Mondays. Now, I'm not the only one here that doesn't care for Mondays, I bet I, if I asked for an amen of, of who would, wouldn't mind Monday being wiped off the calendar, a lot of people would probably agree with that. But, you know, for me and kind of my life, I live my life Sunday to Sunday. Sunday's kind of the big day for me, you know, preaching the Word and all that. And the, the, the physical, emotional, and spiritual expenditure of Sundays means Mondays, I'm, I am just dragging. I am just dragging. And that's when the devil wants to pick on me and... That's kind of when he picks his time. Now, for you and for your story, you have your moments too. It might be Monday morning when you walk into work, or it might be some other time. It, it might be when you're worn out. When's the time when you kind of know stuff can get to you? When the things that normally don't bother you, they really start to bother you at that moment. Is it, is it when you're tired? Is it... When you're lonely, or when you're upset, or when you're bored, when is it for you? When are the times that you know the devil wants to come at you? Be on guard. Be aware of what those times are. Think about it. Pray about it. Ask the Lord to show you, Lord, when is, when is the moment when 
I am most vulnerable because you can be pretty sure that that's a time the devil might come at you. It's those times when you're down, when you're vulnerable, when you're at your weakest point. And in this story, the devil came at Jesus after he has gone 40 days without food. Now, weakness is not something I generally associate with Jesus or vulnerability, but this was probably, at least physically, the most vulnerable he would ever be in his life prior to the events surrounding the crucifixion. And Jesus, being God, could have opted out of a lot of that, but he chose to to lean into his humanity in this moment. So 40 days without food, you know he's tired, he is weak, he is in a position where the the devil, if the devil's going to take a shot, this is the time to do it. So going without food for such a very long time would leave a person weak and vulnerable, right? That makes sense. But most of the time, you and I aren't going to choose to do that. Now, if you've done some sort of really extended fast, like 40 days or something, I'd love to hear that story. That's a story I want to hear. I've never done anything that long. Um, you know, a few days is quite enough. But if most of the time we're not going to be not feeding our body, our cells, for that long, right? I mean, let's just be honest. If I can help it, I ain't going to miss a meal. I know some of y'all said, man, I just get so busy, I forget to eat. I, my memory is so much better than that, for food anyway. I generally don't forget to eat. I, I generally remember that, and if I forget to eat, I make up for it when I do remember, okay? Most of the time, if we are physically weak, it won't be because we haven't eaten for 40 days. Might go without it for a while, but as weak as that would leave us, that's less likely to be the problem than this other thing. We're probably not going to go a long extended period without feeding our bodies. But if we're not careful, it is so easy to go a long time without feeding your souls. That is too easy to do. To go without feeding that spiritual part of you. And that leaves us more vulnerable than going without food. When you don't feed your soul, we've got to be so careful. Jesus' story is going to show us that it is not enough just to feed your cells. You've got to feed your souls. Got to feed those souls. Forty days he is in the wilderness. And then the devil shows up and starts testing Jesus. And the devil said, more or less, bet you're hungry, huh? How about you turn some of these stones to bread? And you know what? Jesus could have turned stones into bread. That's not a problem for Jesus. Had he wanted to turn stones into bread, he could have. I've never seen stones turn into bread. I've seen bread get real stale and turn into stone, I think, but I've never seen bread, uh, stones turn into bread. Jesus could have turned stones to bread. Not a problem for a guy who's invested with all the divine power of the Godhead. Not a problem. 
but he did not. Why? Why didn't he turn? He wasn't he hungry? Absolutely, he was hungry. The scriptures confirm he was hungry. And after 40 days without food, I think we can fairly assume he was hungry. So why didn't he do it? Well, first of all, taking advice from the devil is generally a bad idea. Even if the devil comes to you with an idea that sounds pretty good, let me assure you, it won't be good in the long run. The devil only has bad plans for you. God only has good plans for you. So the devil was not going to take advice, or Jesus was not going to take advice from the devil. But there's possibly another reason. I believe that this story was included in the Word of God for our benefit. Do you believe that? So we're supposed to learn something from it. And Jesus is, in this instance, giving us an example of what to do when we're facing temptation and when when the devil is coming at us. And for you and I who are not invested with the power to turn stones into bread, that's not going to be a good option for us. I, I don't know how to turn stones into bread. Do you know how to turn stones into bread? I don't know how to turn stones. I don't think that's something I can do. So if Jesus says, well, when you face the devil, turn stones into bread, that's not going to be an option for us. So he is going to show us something that we can do. So he is kind of holding back his power in this moment to give us an example of what we can do. We, we do not have the divine power to turn stones into bread. But that doesn't stop us from trying. What does that mean? Turning stones into bread? Obviously, we can't turn stones into bread. No, not literally turning stones into bread. But we are always trying to take something that doesn't give life and get life out of it. Have you seen that? We try to take material prosperity and get life out of it. Turn it into bread. We try to take accomplishment and turn it into bread. We, we try to take acceptance and turn it into bread, into life. We try to take a house or a vehicle or stuff and find life in it, turn it into bread. We try to turn relationships into bread. We try to turn the approval of people we barely know on social media into bread. There's a whole generation that is living and dying by likes on Instagram and other platforms and trying to find life in that, but it it just doesn't work. You can't turn that stone into bread. It's a stone. We try to turn a job into bread to find our life and find our meaning in our employment. And as good as a job could be, and you should have a job or some kind of means of supporting yourself, it's not going to give you the life that you think it will. We, We try to turn flattery into bread, turn people telling us what we want to hear into bread, turn money into bread, and the list goes on. We take things that don't really have life in them, like a stone, and we try to find life in them, turning stones into bread. Now, somebody is going to say, since we're literally in sight of a grocery store, what about money, preacher? You could turn money into bread. You can walk your happy self across the parking lot to food line and get you a loaf of bread and eat it. And let's make it good bread. Let's go back to the deli section and get some pumpernickel bread. We'll make some fancy sandwiches. I didn't even know what pumpernickel bread was till I was a grown man and I tried some and it was good. It was good. Let's get some fancy bread. Okay, okay, fine. I understand you can spend money, and, but that's not, all right, that's not really quite the same, is it? I hear you. You could get bread. And you get bread and you eat bread and it will nourish your physical body. It will nourish your cells, but it can't nourish your soul. 
You say, what if it's real good bread, preacher? What if it's some of that sourdough bread that Diane makes? I think that nourishes my soul. I hear you, but that's a little more of a metaphor, okay? I know it touches you deep down inside when it's sourdough bread with butter on it. I I still get you there. Here's the thing, though. Even if we could turn stones to bread, even if we could get the best bread in the world, handmade by some amazing human being, we cannot live by bread alone. Even mama's best biscuits, you cannot live by bread alone. And I don't mean that you need a little gravy to go with it. I mean, you can't live by bread alone. That's what Jesus reminds us. That's the big point that Jesus is getting at. Literal bread is not enough. Yes, if you eat enough food, if you consume enough food, it will keep your body alive. But it's one thing to be alive, and it's another thing to really live. Have you figured that one out yet? I have figured that one out the hard way. Jesus said we don't live by bread alone. If we have everything this world has to offer, it still won't meet some of the needs that we have. Now, I pray that God meets our needs. We have legitimate needs in this world that will require, you know, bread and other things. But you can't live on that all by itself. It doesn't work that way. We are not made to live on bread alone. We cannot simply feed ourselves and expect to live. We've got to have food for our souls, not just ourselves. Here's Jesus literally starving, 40 days with no food, and he recognizes there's something he needs more than bread. He needs the Word of God. And he says to us that human beings do not live by bread alone, but of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, Animals can live by bread alone, okay? We got two, two dogs and 12 chickens and a bunch of cats that hang around the place. Have I missed any of the pets? That's all of them. And you're going to say, wait, chickens aren't pets. Oh, our chickens are. Those chickens have a good life, all right? They better start laying some golden eggs, too. And I don't just mean the yolks. You know, they, the chickens can live off of bread alone or, or, you know, chicken feed alone. We can't. We are not like the animals. One of the things that sets us apart is we are created in the image of God. We are not merely physical beings. We are spiritual beings, and our souls need nourishment. The devil's most obvious lie here in this interaction with Jesus is about turning stones to bread. Now, Jesus could turn stones to bread, but we can't. We, we can't take things that don't give life and find life in them. That's the obvious lie. But the other bigger lie is the underlying implication that we can live by bread alone. That if we could turn the stones to bread, then we could live on that. But that's not what's true. The devil wants us to pursue the physical to the neglect of the spiritual. To treat this mortal life like it's all there is. But that is not true. If we feed every part of ourselves and forget to feed our souls, we are in trouble. Now, you and I absolutely need to take care of our bodies. Because we got to live in these things for a while. And um, you want to live in a nice place, right? 
<laughs> a place that doesn't leak and uh, a, a place that when the wind blows, it's kind of, you know, it does right. Okay, I understand that. Uh, if we don't take care of our bodies, we start to notice it. We start to, to feel it. And uh, usually I feel pretty good and I get out with some kids. And, you know, yesterday I, I coached my son's flag football team and I get out there and I feel pretty good until I try to run around with those kids. And it's like, uh, I'm not a kid anymore. Uh, or at least not in physically, you know, not a kid anymore. If we don't, if we don't take care of our bodies, we start to notice it. And, you know, for me, I'm like, ah, I got to get back in shape because if we neglect our physical bodies, there are consequences, right? Our, our strength and our endurance suffers. If either by habit or by some kind of constraint, we're not able to get out and get some action, some exercise, we start to feel it. And, and we only got to, you know, we start to lose a little bit of that muscle. We get to start to gain a little bit of that, that fluff, get a little fluffy. That's a much nicer word than fat. And I'm going to go with that. We're going to go with fluffy because fluffy sounds cute. Fat, not so much. So I'm fluffy. Fluffy. Some of you know that comedian. Don't look it up if you don't know it. So anyway, I'm just going to go with fluffy. But uh, it, it becomes evident if we don't take care of our bodies. You know, we look in the mirror and we see, hey, not quite what we used to be. Um, walk up a few flights of stairs. And it's like, whoo, were there always this many stairs? When you find that one pair of pants that reminds you things have happened in your life <laughs> that you did not plan to happen, and those become your goal genes, and then they become the genes that you put way back in the back and don't think about if you don't hit your, your goal. See, okay, it, it becomes obvious if we neglect our physical health. It's a little less obvious when we neglect our spiritual health, at least at first, but it does take a toll, and it takes a bigger toll. If we neglect proper spiritual nourishment, our spiritual strength starts to suffer. Our endurance starts to suffer. We start to make bad choices. And when you make bad choices, you deal with bad consequences. What was that little gem of wisdom that we shared last week? If you do stupid things... Stupid things happen to you. <laughs> I could put a, that on a t-shirt and probably sell some of those from personal experience. There you go. You can quote me on that. Pastor Michael Shockley says, do stupid things and stupid things happen to you. Spiritually, if you neglect your spiritual health, the chances of doing stupid things increases exponentially. I know this from unfortunate experience. You see, when we grow spiritually weak and we start making bad moral choices, there is a price to pay. It will eventually bite us where we don't want to be bitten, and it's just as devastating, if not more devastating, than neglecting physical health. If we don't keep our souls in good shape, everything else suffers. You don't always see it in the mirror. It's not always obvious to everyone, but if you don't feed your soul and things start to slip, you do pay a price. And you pay a price in the places it hurts the most. You start to pay a price in, in your mental health. You start to pay a price 
in your relationships, man, you don't want to pay those. That, that's, that's something you don't want to spend. The most important relationships in your life will suffer if you don't take care of things spiritually, if you don't get some spiritual food. We weren't made to live on bread alone because we are not merely physical beings. We need to receive the Word of God on a regular basis to keep our spirits healthy. The, the Word of God is what nourishes our souls, and we need that even more than we need food for our bodies. And since we're all going to have that time we're in the desert with the devil, we better be ready with the Word. It better be strong in the Word and ready to wield the Word as a weapon. You see, Jesus taught us another lesson here. Okay, we see this. The Word of God is not only our nourishment. It is our defense. It is our weapon against the attacks of the devil. If you read on in this chapter, you'll see that Jesus was attacked by the devil Two more times, for a total of three times. And every time the devil came at Jesus, Jesus used a weapon against him that was completely effective and defeated him immediately. And it's a weapon that we can use. So what would you expect, okay? If you didn't know this story, what would you think Jesus would use, you know, if, if he's going to take a swing at the devil? I mean, I, I just expect, you know, Jesus to use some of his divine power and and smite the devil. That's a fun word, smite. Jesus could just smite the devil, and I could just, just hear it and say, oh, oh, thou evil serpent of darkness, I shall smite thee, and thou shalt be smitten. That would be cool. Don't know why he's got an English accent or why all the people in all the movie versions of the Bible always have an English accent. Don't know but he could smite him and he would be smitten. And that would be, that would be fun. Now, could Jesus have smite, smited, smit, have smitten, smote? Smote, right, Duncan? Could Jesus have smote the devil? I knew that. I knew that. Okay. I know my vocabulary. <laughs> could Jesus have, have smote or smitten the devil? Absolutely. No question at all. If it came down to a fight, the devil didn't have a chance. Jesus could have squished him like a bug. But remember, he is trying to teach us something here. Oh, guess what? The day is coming when Jesus will smite the devil and going to straighten him out. That's coming. All right. He's got his butt whooping coming. It's just a matter of time. And yes, I did use the word butt whooping in a sermon, but it perfectly applies. Read Revelation and you will see the butt whooping, um, more or less, <laughs> that the devil's got coming. It's going to happen, but not yet. And Jesus is setting an example for us here because you and I don't have the divine power to lay a butt whooping on the devil, not literally. So Jesus is going to give us a weapon that we can use. So the weapon that he uses every time when the devil comes at him, every time with his lie, Jesus uses the weapon of the truth of the Word against him every single time. The powerful weapon that you and I can use against the devil that is available to us is the Word of God. Our weapon is the Word. Our weapon is the Word. What's our weapon? The Word. Look at the person near you or say it to yourself. The weapon is the Word. So, if you want to be able to successfully kind of live through an ordeal of the devil picking on you, you're going to have to know about your weapon. 
You're going to have to be ready and practiced with that weapon. When the devil comes at you with his lies, hit him with the truth of God. Because he can't do anything with that. Hit him with, hit him with the Word. When the devil tries to tell you you are not loved, you tell him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I don't know what kind of bigger love you're looking for, devil, because he loves me. When the devil tells you that you've messed up too much and nothing's ever going to be right again, you tell him, while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. That is in Romans. When the devil tells you that better days aren't coming and it's only darkness ahead, you tell him that God has said to his people, I know the plans that I have for you to give you a future and a hope. When the devil tells you that life is too hard and God must not care and nothing is fair, you tell him, for I am convinced that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any other powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. You tell him that. Woo! We'll get the spirit of Ric Flair all up in this place right now. Woo! That's good stuff. <laughs> and it's the truth. You see, your best defense against the lies of the devil is the truth of the word. But how are you going to throw the truth of the word at the devil if you don't know the word? Don't go into battle unarmed. How are you going to, if the, if the word is your weapon and you don't know the word, you got a problem. We got to know the word. We got to get in the word. We are risking going into battle unarmed. Jesus wasn't unarmed. Of course, it kind of helped that he wrote the book, so he knew it all. So uh, he quotes, when, when the devil comes to Jesus, he quotes the Scripture in the Old Testament. This is Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, and he quotes part of it here. I'm going to read the whole verse for you. Um, it goes like this. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, this goes back to one of the most famous stories in the Old Testament, Exodus 16, the story of the manna. You need to go back and read that. Very interesting. And uh, about how God's people were living in the desert, and they didn't have any food, and God chose to feed them by sending some supernatural food called manna, or at least that's what they called it. Manna means, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. I think there's still a candy bar called whatchamacallit, and it's kind of like that. They called it whatchamacallit. I don't know what this stuff is. We'll just call it, what is it? We'll call it whatchamacallit. And every day when the dew fell on the ground and, and when it burned up in the morning sun, here was this manna left behind, and it was very peculiar. It's the only time in history this sort of thing has ever happened. And uh, the people of God lived for 40 years almost exclusively off of manna. What a story. They called it bread from heaven. So we can see some parallels here, right? The, the nation of Israel was in the desert, in the wilderness. Jesus was in the desert, the wilderness. Je they were there for 40 years. Jesus was there for 40 days. 40 is a number associated with judgment and testing in the Bible. They received bread from heaven, and Jesus was tempted to create bread from the stone. But the line that Jesus points uh, uh, 
quotes here points us to a deeper truth. Provision comes from God. Provision comes from God. And when they, what they needed even more than bread from God was a word from God. Even more. Their bodies needed nourishment, no doubt. But even more, their souls needed nourishment. And that comes from God, from His Word. And in the story, if you read it, you'll notice they had to go out and collect the manna every day. It wouldn't keep to the next day. Yesterday's manna would not do for today's need. And let me tell you this, folks. Yesterday's Word will not do for today's need. You need to find a way to get some of the Word of God in your life every single day. Find some kind of way. We need a fresh helping of God's Word every day to keep us strong. And that's good news. Good news. Hey, this is the part of the sermon where you expect the preacher to be like, you people don't read your Bible. I know. (laughs) We don't need to harp on that. Most people don't. Some of you do. A lot of people don't. How about the good news? It has never been easier to find time, find an opportunity to get the Word of God in your life than it is right now. I know you're going to say, well, I don't have time. Good news, technology gives you time. Most people have one of these things in their pockets called a smartphone, and you could download a Bible app. And you don't even have to read it yourself because it will read the Bible to you. There's audio Bibles that you can download, and every single morning when I'm getting ready, I have my little earbud that I put in my ear because I get up earlier than the rest of the folks in my house, and I listen through my little earbud to the Bible. Um, Right now, I've been going through those weird little Old Testament prophets. I think I was in Habakkuk lately, and let me just tell you, most likely, I'm not going to sit down and say, let's read some Habakkuk today, because that sounds like I've choked on something But because it was next in the line in this audio Bible, I got to hear some Habakkuk. And that was encouraging to me. You can find a way. And even if you don't have like some device where you can get it, you know, on the internet, there's all kinds of ways you can get the word. There's, um, you know, not not all the preaching that's out there on TV and the internet is, is necessarily going to line up with the word of God. You need to carefully compare that and make sure that this, this teacher is really teaching the truth, but there's a lot of good teaching out there, folks. And um, even Recreate Church, you can get our stuff. Did you know that? We have something like 40 messages on YouTube, and we're getting close to 100 messages on our podcast. And that podcast gets listened to by people all over the world. You don't, you've never listened to our YouTube or our, watched our YouTube or listened to our podcast, go to recreatechurch.org. And you can click on one of the little options at the top, and it'll take you to that. I think it's the the services option. And, man, you can get it. That's the good news. So don't believe the devil's lie that you don't have time because technology gives you time. Don't believe the devil's lie that the Bible is boring. Do I look bored to you? Do I look like a person who is bored by what I'm talking about? No, 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 no. This is not boring. The Bible is exciting. Now, sometimes we're boring. That doesn't mean the Bible is boring. And I realize that if you open up to the first chapter of Matthew and you see so-and-so begot so-and-so, and then he begot so-and-so, and that might seem a, that might be a little difficult to understand. But I want to tell you, the, the, the Word of God on the whole is very exciting. And even once you kind of understand who's begetting who and what in the world begetting is, even the begetting begets pretty good, okay? Once you kind of know the background... It gets better. So here's what I want to do for you. You might say, I don't know where to start in reading the Bible. 
There's something that I stumbled on a list. Uh, I didn't compile this list a few years ago. I stumbled on something called the Essential 100, the E100, the Essential 100 Scriptures that can kind of give you an idea of what the whole Bible is. I'll be glad to send that for you. You can look for it on the Internet, the Essential 100 Scriptures. Um, if, if you, some of you got my contact info, hit me a message up, and I will send it to you, okay? It's just like a little screenshot photo. Um, we don't have that on the website yet, but that might be something we could do. But in the meantime, let me know. Um, if you do not have my contact information, you're going to email me at recreate.worldwide at gmail.com. If you listen to, uh, watch the YouTube or listen to the podcast, that's probably the best way to get me if you're outside the area, recreate.worldwide at gmail.com. And I will send that to you, and you can start to get to know the Word of God and kind of get those 100 essential stories there. Now, the story goes on. I encourage you to read it yourself in Matthew chapter 4. The devil keeps trying to trip up Jesus, but Jesus keeps coming at him with the word until the devil finally gives up. Now, I cannot promise you that you won't spend a little time in the desert with the devil. As a matter of fact, I can just about guarantee that you will. I can just about guarantee you're going to spend some tough days and the devil's going to take a swing at you. I just want to put a weapon in your hand so you can swing back. And that's the Word of God. I want you to notice in this story how just before God was about to begin something, or begin something big with Jesus, the devil came and made some trouble. So you can just expect when God's about to do something big or important in your life, the devil will come strutting in, making a mess like he does. He's going to try to discourage us and distract us and deceive us. He tried to get Jesus to turn stones into bread, and he'll try to get us to do the same thing, get us to try to find life in things that don't give life. And he'll, he'll tempt us to believe we can live by bread alone if we just got all the stuff the world offers. If we just hit that there lottery preacher, we'd be in good shape then. Oh, I don't think so. Because you can get everything the world has to offer and you're still not fulfilled. Look at some of the wealthy people and the powerful people of the world. They don't look so happy to me. They got problems too. And I feel you. I know what you're going to say. I'd like to trade and have some of them rich people problems. I get that. Just hear me on this. Man does not live by bread alone. You can get it all and it's not enough. Read the story of Solomon in the Old Testament sometime. There was a man that God allowed to really get everything he could think of and more, and it didn't make him happy. Read the book of Ecclesiastes sometime if you want to kind of be sobered up on that issue. That you, if, if stuff would make you happy, Solomon would have been happy, and he was not. So here's what we're going to do. We know that we need to nourish our souls. We can't, just, we can't just feed our body. We can't just feed ourselves. We need to feed our souls. And if the Word of God is the food for our souls as well as the weapon against the devil, we need to learn a little bit of that. I'm going to hit two scriptures here that I kind of want you to take, take with you. Some of you already know these. Some of you probably quoted at least one of them this morning. One of, probably the first one is probably the life verse for some people. Actually, I'm pretty sure that it is. Romans 8.28, you know that one? Romans 8.28 we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. All things. Does God just work the pleasant things or the comfortable things? No. All things. You mean the bad things and the tough things and the hard things and the painful things? It says 
all things. So make a note of that. Romans 8, 28, you need to learn that verse and commit it to heart. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who those who are called according to his purpose. And I'll give you one more scripture. It's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And it's one that's near and dear to me right now, especially. And it goes like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. I need that right now. Because I, I keep praying, Lord, I don't know kind of what's the next step in the path. I don't know. What do I do? And I'm, I'm responsible for a lot of stuff. I got my family, and I got you guys. And I'm like, Lord, I, I kind of don't know the way on the path. But the Scripture says... Trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And I'm leaning on that. I'm going to try to do those things, counting on the idea that he's going to direct my path. i got to count on that. we got to know this word, y'all. There's a lot more. That's just a couple highlights. When the devil takes a swing at us, we need something to swing back with. And if you don't have a little bit of the word ready at hand, you're not going to be able to stand. So I, I want us to wrap things up in prayer here, and I, I want to pray for our brother DJ Stoneman as we do that. A little bit of good news. He's opening his eyes, and he's reacting some. That's really good news, really good news. I just want to say everything that goes in the offering boxes today is going to help the Stoneman family with medical expenses, so keep that in mind uh, when you drop it in there. I want to pray for us now. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you so much that you have not left us defenseless in this world against the devil, that you have given us your word to be our weapon. So when the devil comes at us with his lies, we can hit him with the truth. So I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us the motivation to learn more of your word and take more of it to heart. So when the devil comes at us, we'll be ready. We'll be ready with the truth. Lord, give us an understanding that we can't live on bread alone, that the things of this world will not supply all our needs, even if we get everything. We need something from you. We need nourishment from you for our souls. Lord, I want to praise your holy name for some good news on our brother DJ and pray that you will raise him up out of that bed and we pray for strength and help for his family. God, we give you the glory and ask that you keep on working that we might keep on praising in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for being a part of what we do here. We do this every week, 10 a.m., and we're at 6 p.m. on Sunday nights if you want to invite somebody to come to that. And uh, people ask, when are we going to get back inside? I don't know. I just told you I'm praying the Proverbs 3, chapter, you know, chapter 3 things. Like, okay, Lord, you need to guide my path. So the Lord will work all that out. Um, thank you all for everything that you do. God bless you, and I look forward to seeing you next time.